It's Freddie Prinze Jr. and Jeff Dye back in the ring. Wrestling with Freddie makes its triumphant return for an electrifying fourth season. Hey, Jeff, are you ready to rumble our way into an all-new season of Wrestling with Freddie? You better believe I have. I've been practicing my body slams, and I'm jacked. All right, don't go injuring yourself now. We'll be highlighting the best stories and matches of the week in wrestling from AEW, WWE, and have one-on-one talks with the best talents in the world of pro wrestling. Listen to Wrestling with Freddie on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals, Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. What's up, everybody? This is Stephen A. Smith, host of the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast. Tune in every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday at the very least as I bring you all new episodes that feature the biggest headlines in the world of sports, pop culture, business, and I answer your phone calls and respond to your tweets. You'll hear my unfiltered opinions and straight-shooter interviews with top celebrities and game changers. All that and more. So listen to the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcast. This is the Lombardi Line with former NFL executive Michael Lombardi. Now here is your host, Stormy Bonatoni, on VSEN, the sports betting network. To say we have a jam-packed show today is beyond <laughs> putting it mildly. Welcome in to the Lombardi Line presented by DraftKings. That laugh you heard, three-time Super Bowl winning executive and strategist Michael Lombardi, Stormy Bon and Tony with you. Also coming up this hour, VEASAN host and professional handicapper Mike Somich. Join us in about 30 minutes. Talk through all things conference championship weekend. And Mike Palm himself will join us in studio later on in hour two, VP of operations here at Circa Resort and Casino, where I am broadcasting from. But we got to get started with all of the big news in the coaching carousel. And who's got it better than the Los Angeles Chargers, Michael? Jim Harbaugh, officially official head coach in L.A. Well, look, I'm biased. I love the guy. I think he's been remarkable, you know, from the time I told him not to take the University of San Diego job and he did it anyway. And he won. And then he went to Stanford and won. And then he went to 49ers and 71% winning percentage. And then he went to Michigan and restored their program. So, look, this is a great hire. You can't, no way around it. I mean, he's a team builder. I think a lot of times people get a little confused because Harbaugh played quarterback in the NFL. They think he's going to be a play caller, you know, and he's going to be, you know, run the offense and he's going to be one of those tacticians. No, he's a team builder, a culture builder and a strategist. Mm-hmm. Loves game management, loves game management. He used to talk to Al Davis about it constantly, wanted to know about situational football, how to handle this. I'd walk by him in the hall and he would say, what do you think about what would you do here or what would you do there? And that's just how his mind works. Right. And so they're going to get tougher. They're going to get tougher mentally and physically. And this is going to be the best thing that happened to a very good quarterback. We are no longer going to be questioning Justin Herbert's ability. We're going to be talking about how do we slow him down. And this is a great hire because, look, let's face it, you got Andy Reid, you got Sean Payton, and now you got Harbaugh. Mm -hmm. This is reminiscent to me when the NFC East had Bill Parcells, Tom Landry, or Jimmy Johnson, however you want to slice it, Buddy Ryan and Joe Gibbs. And that those were that's when it was when football was good. And the two the two big things that I'm taking away from what you're saying there, Michael, are Jim Harbaugh's ability to build a team and win. And now putting that together with a guy like Justin Herbert, who has all the talent in the world. This we know. And somebody that apparently from all of the reports I have heard, Jim Harbaugh thinks the world of and is thinks is one of the best young quarterbacks in the National Football League. The one thing Herbert hasn't done is win. He has the yards. He has the rookie records. He has the franchise records for the Chargers, but they're coming off of a five and 12 season. They have one playoff appearance and they were leading that game 27 nothing and end up losing that is not what this franchise has been expected to do with the talent that they have had now my question is because of the success that we know that he's had in turning around organizations and teams so quickly do you think it will be immediate because in my mind I I almost feel as if I would be more surprised if the Chargers didn't have success this year than if they did no well here's the thing right And, and you know and I wrote and 
people don't understand this, but, you know, and they continue to go down this stupid road about, well, you know, one the quarterback wins the games. Well, Herbert's not the reason they lost games. The fact they had no toughness, mental or physical, you know, they had no ability to handle those tough situations. And that's why they lost so many close games. And when you look at they hired a defensive coach whose defense never played good the three years (laughs) he was there. So, you know, like, let's let's understand why they won and why they lost. Harbaugh's going to be really good for them because they're not going to go into the game and say, hey, Justin, win the game for us. The team's going to go win the game. And if they get behind, he'll play. He'll get them to catch up. If they need to win the game, they'll win it. I mean, look, Jared Goff is working in a situation that suits him. It's not him winning. It's the team winning. And it's the same thing that's going to happen because the Lions have mental toughness. They have physical toughness. And this is what the Chargers will have moving forward. So this is really the right hire for the Chargers at the right time. They need them. I think so, they too. They need them. And, and, Michael, you know, I, too, am a little bit biased as a 49ers fan. I, I loved what Jim Harbaugh brought to the San Francisco 49ers while he was there. You think about that team that their best season in the eight years prior to Jim joining the team was an eight and eight season. They were sub 500 for nearly a decade, struggling to do anything well. They were six and 10 the season that Singletary got fired. Harbaugh steps in, they're 13 and three and make it to an NFC championship game. They lose in overtime to the Giants. The next year, they're playing in a Super Bowl. The next year, they're in an NFC championship again. So what he was able to do with an Alex Smith at quarterback you look at the other stops that he's had it's not like aside from Andrew Luck at Stanford he's had outstanding quarterback play he's had to mold those players to be great for what he does and now he's going to have that solid quarterback and now the only question for me is what are they going to do with the cap because the dollars and cents of it all that's going to be a challenge moving forward right but the reason you hire Harbaugh is because you want to develop young players yeah you know he's now he's back at Michigan again right so he's the he's the architect of the team they're going to have to draft players well. They're going to have to play young players. And they're going to have to get something out of the young players. And he'll do that. I mean, I think there's no question. It's like what you just said there when he took over for Singletary and he turned the team around. Mm. You know, he made some of those players that nobody thought were good, turned them into really good. Same thing with D'Amico Ryans did down in Houston, right? We all talked about, well, they're not a very good team. Well, all of a sudden they got good. How'd that happen? Well, the coach makes you better, right? Great players make other players better. Great coaches make teams better. I think that's what you're going to see here. So to me, it's the it's really the best hire. Right. Mm -hmm. And, you know, and now you're going to have to really do a good job of finding the young players. They're going to get rid of some of their their cap hits, some of the older players that aren't playing well. And they're going to rebuild this thing. But it's not going to take very long because they have the starting point that you need. They have a left tackle in Slater. They've got a quarterback. You know, they've got two receivers under contract, whether they bring Keenan Allen back or not at that number. They got Mike Williams. They'll be fine. Mm. Currently projected to be about 28 million over the cap. Speaking of, of money, we know the Spanos family hasn't typically invested a lot in in the coaching position, right? But we know Jim's getting paid here. He turned down an offer to return to Michigan to be the highest paid head coach in all of college football right now. So how how important was it for the Chargers and for fans of this team to know that L.A. stepped up when they needed to right. and that like their team is on the right path? Well, I think if you're the Spanos family, it's an investment you have to make. It's got it's got residual long term benefits. Right. So, you know, when the league hired Bill Parcells, when the when the New England Patriots were there, they were in limbo. James, they were going from Victor Kayam, the shaving magnet to they put James Orthwine, the Budweiser family member. And they, they kind of transitioned the team there. But they hired Parcells to be the coach with up the brand, which gave the team really more value. And then, of course, Robert Kraft came in and bought the team. So this is the similar situation. It's really enhanced the value. And if your cap, let's say your cap is, is $220 million and you're paying 10% of your cap to the guy who's running the team, that's $25 million, right? Mm-hmm. Like that's not, you're not, you know, that, that's probably the right thing to do. If you're paying your quarterback 50 million and you're paying your coach 20, he's got more impact on everything than what the player does. So like people get caught up in the money. When you're getting a proven winner, a guy who's 71% winning percentage, you better pay for it. 
Uh, and again, to confirm that as a collegiate head coach, 144 and 42 with the 49ers, he was 44, 19 and one. And Warren Sharp put this out in 2011 when he, he took over the 49ers season win total was seven and a half. They went 13 and three that year. 2012 set the win total at 10, 11 and five go to the Super Bowl. 2013 win total set at 11 and a half. They won 12 and of course lose that heartbreaker to Seattle in the NFC championship game. So um, yes, continues to exceed expectations. The Chargers then in terms of like odds from an odds perspective, they go from 30 to one immediately to 25 to one. So that got cut down a little bit for the 2025 Super Bowl odds. What's next for Michigan? They go from 12 to one to 14 to one. The expectation is that offensive coordinator Sharon Moore is going to get that job report saying that he's got meeting with Michigan officials today. And the expectation is he's going to walk out of that meeting as the head coach of the he Michigan Wolverines. It. Yep. I mean, they got, they, got, they got a chance to watch him for two years, for, for really two years. They got a chance to watch him as a head coach. I mean, I'm sure he can go with Jim if he wants, but this is his moment to yeah. be the head coach at Michigan. He needs to do it. And I thought he was tremendously loyal. His, his honor and respect towards Jim when he took over. And look, if they want to keep their program together and they don't want to lose the commits that they've had to Michigan, right? Because remember, Michigan's one of those schools where kids go to see the uniform. Mm. I say this all the time. You know, the Michigan-Ohio State game in the year 2050 is sold out, and the kids are going to play in the game aren't even born yet. They, kids go to Michigan for the uniform. Kids go to Ohio State for the uniform, right? They go to Alabama for the uniform. There's certain Penn State, right? There's certain places that are uniform-driven with their tradition and their history. And I think Moore can enhance that and keep his recruiting class in, in place. It's a seamless transition. Now, I think there's a rule in Michigan and state employees hirings. It takes seven days to hire him. But it makes total sense to after you've watched him coach, fill in for a great coach to move him up in the program. Yeah, and you're already seeing players come out on Twitter saying it's no question. Sharon Moore is the guy. That's what it seems that everybody wants. And for 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 Jim Harbaugh, once again, despite some of the controversy and adversity that they faced off the field, he's walking away from Michigan, bringing them their first national championship since 1997. And there's not like the oh man, Jim's leaving. It's not terrible from that standpoint. Like he's moving on. It's the right thing for him at this point. And Michigan has been reestablished as a prominent program. Once again, having success. So I think it's a win-win for a lot of people involved. Um, also, I think it's a win-win because he didn't try to hide that he was pretending he's sure. staying and he's not staying. Like if you he were to I mean? go to he the Vikings, if he were to go to the Vikings a couple years ago, I think that would have been some, a bad taste in people's mouths. Right. 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 Yeah, I mean, I think to me, when you're honest and you're come and you're up front, you know, look, the college terrain is tough. I mean, if, if college didn't have NIL and they didn't have all this stuff going on, I think Nick Saban probably coaches four more years. But there's so much going on now, so much going on that uh, that it's too it's really become a more difficult job than even the NFL. And to your point about that, with Harbaugh now going to back to the NFL, Saban retiring and Kalen DeBoer going to Alabama, three of the four coaches that were in the college football playoff have left their schools, including the two that were in the title game. And as Matt Fortuna pointed out, in the 26-year history of the of the BCS and CFP era, there has never been an instance of a single head coach leaving the offseason after making either of those fields. So historic that three of the four only Sark remaining at Texas is stable. Um, we've got plenty more to cover. We've got a new head man in Carolina as well to discuss. And what is going on with Bill Belichick and the Falcons? Stay with us on the Lombardi line. Attention all wrestling aficionados. Wrestling with Freddie makes its triumphant return for an electrifying fourth season. This is Freddie Prince Jr., and I am beyond thrilled to announce that our wrestling extravaganza is back, and joining me once again is the one and only Jeff Dye. Get ready as we highlight the most jaw-dropping matches, dissect the fiercest feuds, and uncover the latest twists and turns in the world of pro wrestling. We're dusting off our legendary side quests and unleashing a barrage of brand new segments that will keep you guys on the edge of your seat like our talks on unsanctioned Thursdays. Freddie, you know we gotta give the people what they want. This season, we have an all-star lineup of special guests who are gonna be gracing our podcast, bringing with them their own unique insights, experiences, and all of that in the world of pro wrestling and beyond. Whether you're a seasoned wrestling veteran or a fresh-faced newcomer, we promise an experience like no other. So buckle up, wrestling fans. Listen to Wrestling with Freddie as part of the My Cultura Podcast Network, available on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick 
and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. What's up, everybody? This is Stephen A. Smith. When I'm not at my day job, first tape, you can find me in my studio hosting the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast. Tune in every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday, at the very least, as I bring you all new episodes that feature the biggest headlines in the world of sports, pop culture, business, and politics. You'll hear my unfiltered opinions on those nauseating cowboy fans, the chaos in Washington, D.C., and trending topics on social media, as well as my straight-shooter interviews with top celebrities and game changers. And I occasionally give out love advice. Yes, it's true. If you want to know my true feelings about something, I'll give it to you straight. So listen to the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcast. This is the Lombardi Line with former NFL executive Michael Lombardi. Now here's your host, Stormy Bonatoni on VSIN, the sports betting network. If you haven't already, you got to check out the new vcin.com. It's a fresh new look, enhanced navigation, a mobile first focus, and a whole lot more, including today's top stories with the coaching carousel. Josh Applebaum also highlights the top games and biggest line moves of the day in college hoops. Dave Tooley's best bets for conference championship weekend, plus Steve Mackinan's updated collection of vcin analytics and betting trends for the big games coming up on Sunday. Now, we talked earlier about Jim Harbaugh to the Chargers. There was also some breaking news news in the last hour that Dave Canales will be the new head coach for the Carolina Panthers, former Bucks offensive coordinator, Michael. And while Penn has not been put to paper just yet, Adam Schefter saying it will get done. What was your initial sure. reaction when you heard the news? Well, I mean, look, I, I, I don't know if you could ever say you're surprised by anything that occurs in the NFL. You just had Mike Vrabel in and you immediately hired Dave Canales. But you know, look, you got Dan Morgan, the president of your team, mm. you know, who was involved in every decision that was involved last time. So, I mean, it is what it is. And Dave Canales's claim, and I think he deserves credit for this, is they watched Baker Mayfield play this year. And they probably said to themselves, we couldn't get Baker to play that good. How did this guy get him to play that good? Well, they had Mike Evans, they had Chris Goblin, you know, I mean, so they, but Baker didn't play all that good the entire year. If you paid attention, right? There were moments where Baker was really bad, but he wasn't as bad as he was for Carolina. So I think that helped. And Morgan was with him in Seattle, whether they're tight friends or not, there's that familiarity. I don't understand how he was in Seattle for as long as he was. And they kept hiring offensive coaches over him and not him. And that doesn't mean he's not good. That just means he got overlooked in Seattle. Mm-hmm. But I think to me, uh, you know, this is, I mean, you got Mike Vrabel in the building, you got Bill Belichick, you got Pete Carroll, and you're David Tepper. You're the richest, one of the richest men in the world. You have a legacy of, of unbelievable uh, respect in the hedge fund business. And this is what you're doing? Like, I, I, I don't get it. I really don't. I don't get it. And, and, I, hope that's, and I hope Morgan's the right guy. Yeah. I hope he is. But I don't know how you could sit there and say he is after every decision you just fired the last GM for he was involved with. Yeah, so here's my thing, Michael, with uh, with Canales, and I, I have no problem with Canales. What he did this season with the Bucks, to your point, in Baker Mayfield is was great, and I know that he is respected as a good, young offensive mind, all these things, but I just look at the, the GM hire, first and foremost, being Dan Morgan, and exactly what you just said about their connection with Seattle, and is it just this guy hiring his buddy? And I know that when you go back throughout the NFL and a lot of these jobs are, you want to hire people you're familiar with, and you like their work, and that you you do have those relationships with but all I know of Dan Morgan to this point is that he was the right hand man sitting next to Fitterer while he was making all of these decisions that were not going over well and now he's hiring somebody that he has a personal relationship with and there are other really really good coaching candidates out there that I'm confused how they haven't been spoken yeah. to including Bill Belichick right I mean they didn't even talk to him they didn't call or you know they brought Vrabel and they didn't even call Pete Carroll you yeah. know and 
To me, it just shows. Well, Vrabel shows was you, supposed you, to do his second interview today, but obviously that's not happening. I, I didn't even know he had a first interview at Carolina. Or maybe it was his I first. I think that was his first. Maybe it was, that his, was first. his first. Yeah. I think that was his first, yeah. But, you know, Dan Morgan's, you know, he's running all football operations. Look, this is, to me, I, I keep asking myself this. Like, how is Dan Morgan going to interview Mike Vrabel? Like, evaluate the evaluator. Like, you put two people in a room with football knowledge from a coaching player personnel standpoint, and then you bring somebody in without that complete knowledge, the interviewer can't make a good decision. I mean, it's really evaluate the evaluator. Like, I I think to me, it it just shows you they would rather take less than have the best. And I think you'll see that around the league. I mean, the structure in Tennessee has proven over time and memorial to never work. Given a president all the authority over the coaches and the and the coach kind of just call in place. When does that work? Tell me when that works. It doesn't. And, I, and don't even put personalities in it. Like when does that work? Right. Well, well, it worked with Sean McVay when he went out there. He had no Sean McVay kind of was running some of the stuff. He got him to go. Got the quarterback to play good. Sean McVay's a different person than a lot of these other guys. But look, it is what it is. And I mean. All of the headlines that we're even seeing about this hiring are in a surprise, in a stunner, the dark horse candidate. Like, it's okay. You should see my texts are are from coaches in the league complaining about, like, what is going on? Like, you know, there used to have to be merit to get a job, right? You used to have to go through hoops. And I don't want to sound like an old fart because that's not it. I understand this is a new wave. But when you're a one-time coordinator and you become a head coach, it's a little unfair to the Raheem Morrises and the other guys who have been doing this for a long time, right? It's really unfair. But, you know, that's the way the league is. They are protecting their desk, right? They're protecting their desk. They don't want to hire somebody who's going to upset the apple cart. And they're under this illusion that if they hire a great offensive coach, he's going to make the quarterback better. Well, let's see what ultimately ends up happening with his connection with Bryce Young, what they're able to bring in around him, because obviously because of the trade that they made last year, they don't have that top pick like they would have despite having the two win season this year. But let's push it forward to another coaching opportunity because I I mentioned Bill Belichick and apparently the only team that he has interviewed with is the Atlanta Falcons, who Adam Schefter said on Get Up this morning may not be the favorite to be the head coach in Atlanta after the odds boards on DraftKings are telling us he was a four dollar favorite at this point people according to Schefter are calling the search for the Falcons head coach still wide open what's going on here well I think it's pretty clear I mean there is a there is a strong and Bill 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 Simmons reported this on his podcast there's a strong contingency that that in Atlanta that if they brought Belichick in Rich McKay who's now the president and has a huge role within the player in, in the whole organization would have to move to Arthur Blank's business enterprises and so do you think he really wants to do that do you think he really does and Terry Fontenot's voice might be drowned out so a lot of these a lot of these conversations that are coming out I'm not accusing anybody of leaking anything, but it's I've seen Operation Mockingbird work in the in, in, in the CIA. So I know how this stuff goes. And so that's where we're getting it. And, and look, they have every right to. If they can convince Arthur Blank that they're better off hiring Raheem Morris as their head coach and keeping Terry Fontenot as their, their general manager and Rich McKay, the king of all football operations, if they believe that, then they deserve it. Then that's what they should do. You can't make people hire somebody. You can't make people smarter. But on a logical sense, if I said to you, Stormy, you could hire Bill Belichick and you wouldn't have Rich McKay and Terry Fontenot and Ryan Pace, or you'll hire Raheem Morris and you keep everything intact and Rich McKay is the voice of the organization, what are you choosing? I mean, clearly you fired your head coach because it's not working. How are you not choosing Belichick? I thought Belichick was going to be the bell of the ball in this coaching search. And now we've got five vacancies that are now filled, only three open. And the place that we thought he was destined to go is all of a sudden up in the air. And you've got Ben Johnson, who I know you've said seems to be the guy for the Washington commanders. Boomer Esiason is reported it's all but a done deal. It's a lock that it's he's going to end done. up there. I mean, they're not even, yeah, they're not even pretending they're interested in yeah. anybody. It's got, they got Ben Johnson. I mean, I think that's pretty clear. But then they there's know Seattle. Ben's going to say yes. And see, and here's the thing too, why we know it. Carolina wanted Ben. 
Right. Carolina wanted Ben Johnson, and they couldn't get him. So to me, really, we're only down to two jobs, Seattle and Atlanta. And so Seattle, I know Dan Quinn has an in-person with the Seahawks today, but they haven't obviously talked to Bill Belichick either because Atlanta's been the only spot that he's been in these deep conversations with. So does Bill Belichick end up being an odd man out this coaching cycle? Does he end up not having a job? You, you would, I mean, if he doesn't get Atlanta, if Atlanta... How crazy Atlanta, is that? Well, I mean, if that, then what it tells you is nobody wants to win. Nobody's really... Is Atlanta trying to win? I mean, nobody's asking that question that I just asked you. Would you rather have Rich McKay running your football operation and Terry Fontenot being your general manager and pick a coach, anybody? It would be Raheem Morris because that's who Rich McKay wants. It would be Raheem Morris, who I think is a great coach. Would you be better off in that scenario or would you be better off handling the store to Belichick? One guy's got six Super Bowls, been to nine, has proven to be a successful coach. He's going in the Hall of Fame. Meanwhile, all the other guys on the other side are not even going to go close to the Hall of Fame. The only time they're going to the Hall of Fame is when they buy a ticket to get into Canton. That's it. So, like, stop trying. Like, I tell all my friends around the league, stop trying to use logic in an illogical world. The logic is simply this. People protect their desk. And so for us as a betting network and bettors, we can make a lot of money on the incompetence of people running these teams. <laughs> and that's we should embrace it. We're like enjoying it. There we go. Keep going. <laughs> you know, you don't think I'm going to be able to, to watch the Tennessee. And I love Brian Callahan. I love Bill, his dad, Valerie, the mom. I've been with them. I hope they're successful. But I know how that program, it's going to go. I know how it's going to yeah. go. I know how it's going to go in Tampa. So, I, I mean, excuse me, in, in uh, Atlanta, in Carolina, oh, yeah. we can, there's there's variance here. We 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 are like we're buying companies and we're really we're, we're evaluating the leadership team before you buy the company. That's what most people do. That's what Warren Buffett does. And so as us as betters, we're going to make a fortune off this. Well, th does this not too feel like it's got a lot of parallels to when Tom Brady was available and it sure does. It, nobody yep. else seemed to want him for some reason? What did he do, by the way, when he landed with the Bucks? Won a or Super Sean Bowl. Payton last year. Exactly. Sean Payton had one suitor last year. Exactly. We'll be right back. Beeson's own Mike Somich joining us next, talking all things conference championship weekend. This is the Lombardi Line with former NFL executive Michael Lombardi. Now here is your host, Stormy Bonatoni, on VSIN, the sports betting network. Put the VSIN experts to work for you and start betting smarter with a VSIN Pro subscription. Sign up on a VSIN Pro annual subscription. You'll get your first year for $199. And all you got to do is use the promo code Lombardi. You get access to everything we do on our brand new VSIN.com website, plus daily best bets with a leaderboard to see which VSIN expert has the hot hand, betting splits to show you where the money and bets are moving for each and every game, betting systems, premium analysis, and 24-7 video access. Plus, we've got our upcoming Super Bowl betting guide with best bets and prop bets. March Madness will be here before you know it. Remember, use that promo code Lombardi. You'll get your first year of VEASAN Pro access for $199. Sign up today at VEASAN.com slash subscribe. And we will bring in one of our VEASAN experts right now, professional handicapper and host of The Handle here on VEASAN and DraftKings Network. Mike Somich joins us now on the Lombardi line and we're gonna take a quick step back here from the coaching carousel for a moment because huge weekend coming up in the NFL conference championship weekend two great games on tap first of all just which game intrigues you the most which are you most excited to see and bet on well, I bet on it's definitely Kansas City and Baltimore. The, the San Francisco Detroit game, I think, intrigues me more. I have been going back and forth on where I should be on this. I made the line eight for San Francisco, but that was without any weather concerns. And it looks like we're going to avoid any of those weather, weather concerns. And then with Debo Samuels and Debo to me is so interesting. When you look at this 49ers offense, we saw this offense without him three times during the regular season. They lost those games. They weren't able to get it done. And, and then we saw this offense without him just last week against the Packers. And they don't really have anyone that can do what Debo does. He is able to, to be a downfield receiving threat, but at the same time has that great ability to run with the football after the catch and be in the backfield and run the football there as well. And we saw them try and replace the backfield aspect with Jennings. That didn't work out at all. We saw some of the downfield shots, Dayuk, that wasn't working as well. Uh, to me, without Debo, this offense is a very, very different animal. And it's frustrating because I wanted to bet the over. I wanted to bet San Francisco going into this. It was sitting there at six in the look ahead on Sunday before we knew who they were going to play, either Detroit or Tampa Bay. I didn't take advantage of that six. And now I'm sitting here like, ah, I don't really want seven and a half because I missed the six. 
And I'm not sure I trust either of these quarterbacks to be able to take it over the number, even though I think both offenses have an edge on the defenses in this spot. Where are you on the over total at 51 and a half? I mean, I, I, to me, I see this game being a little bit. Now, I know the Niners, they're going to have to play better off defensively, but it was 50. It opened at 50. It's been at 51 and a half pretty much all the time. I, I find that to be a little. I actually think it goes over because I think both teams will move the football. I agree with you, Michael. I would lean toward the over if I was going to play anything here. And, and to me, a big factor of this is Detroit's just not very good on defense. Like San Francisco should be able to have their way on offense, be able to move the football up and down the field. And Detroit is going to need need to respond in kind if they want to stay in this game. So I would expect Detroit trying to take some shots through the air. You've got two very good running backs, great rookie tight end in there. Obviously, Amon Ross St. Brown, a very good wide receiver. They should be able to get theirs against San Francisco. I was on the over with Green Bay San Francisco for much of the same reasoning that I thought Green Bay was going to be able to move the football and I expected San Francisco to score points. And fortunately, a couple bad happenings in the first half there and a missed field goal cost that over. But when I look at this game, it, to me, it's a very, very similar situation where San Francisco is going to get theirs. And it feels like Detroit should be able to move the football against San Francisco's offense. So if I played anything here, it would be the over 51 and a half. And I do it sooner rather than later. 52, a key number when you're looking at totals. You don't want to lose that 52, make that a push. So if you want to play the over, I get involved now because I do think by Sunday this will be at 52 or maybe even higher. Yeah, I'm with you. I think yeah, could, both teams real, are real quick, Stormy. I just yeah. want to, I, I want to, I want to enhance what Mike just said there. Nick Mullins threw for four, they they had 411 yards when they played Minnesota. The Minnesota did with Nick Mullins. Dak had 345. Nick Mullins comes back in the last game of the year on the road 396. Only had 14 incompletions. You know, we saw Stafford 367, 11 incompletions. And then last week we saw Baker had 350. And, you know, he had 15 incompletions, but we know he missed three or four throws. That could have been even four. It could have been a 400 yard day. Like, I'm with you. I see that. I was on the over last week and we got messed up by the missed field goals. But, I mean, the only reason I want to go over is because I just think the 49er defense is a tad overrated. I, I agree with you, Michael. And we've seen them really struggle when they're playing very good offenses to be able to consistently stop the football. And even Green Bay. I mean, they moved the football exceptionally well in that game. If you go back and look at the first half, all three of their first drives were inside the 20 yard line. They only got six points off of those drives. If they end up with 17, 14, even instead of six, that game goes over and that San Francisco defense, there's a lot more eyeballs on it. But because of the ability to really tighten up inside the red zone against Green Bay, we're not talking about it nearly as much as I think we should. Uh, Detroit has all of the weapons to be able to move the football against this San Francisco offense. So it's really it, does the weather hold up? Because both Purdy and Goff, not quarterbacks, I want to have an over in if there is rain. Again, it looks like we're not going to have rain right now, but that's a bigger concern for me than if this were in a different area or inside the Detroit Dome. I'd be dead over if it was within the Dome. So it's all about whether or not you trust Goff and you trust Purdy to be able to consistently put points up. It looks like the weather's going to be okay. To me, it's an over game if all, all the other factors don't, uh, don't play into it. Yeah, it looks like we're sitting seven and a half right now, total 51 and a half as Mike Somich, VSIN host of The Handle every weekend, four to seven Pacific, seven to 10 Eastern, right here on VSIN and DraftKings Network joins us on the Lombardi line. Let's go to the AFC Championship. Kansas City currently getting four in Baltimore, total 44 and a half. And we know that it seems like every time we doubt Kansas City, they find a way to win and prove everybody wrong and do all the things. It's their sixth straight conference championship. But people are laying it with the Baltimore Ravens right now. What's going on here and how do you feel? I'm surprised people are laying it up to four. I thought this would toggle between three and three and a half consistently throughout the week. And we close on one of those two numbers. I'm surprised we've gotten up to this four number here with Kansas City. Now, we do have an offensive lineman who's banged up for KC. That's obviously playing into it one day less of, of rest here for Kansas City as well. So that's a little bit of a disadvantage. And to me, this is the big question is what's Kansas City going to be able to do against this Baltimore defense? We saw them two weeks ago taking on Miami. That was a very banged up defense, specifically in the secondary and the linebacker position. They were able to take advantage of it. Last week, they go into Buffalo. Buffalo's running out their fourth and fifth string linebackers in that spot also has a banged up secondary. Kansas City really be able to, really was able to take advantage of the run game and those linebackers trying to cover tight ends and receivers up the middle. It's a very different beast this weekend. You've got Baltimore with two of the better linebackers in the NFL. They're going to make it a lot harder for Pacheco and Kansas City's run game to get going. So then a lot of the pressure kind of moves over to Mahomes and what he can do with this wide receiving crew, who for all the, the, the issues we had early in the season have looked very good the last two games. So we'll see if they can keep that up. 
But I flip this over to the other side, and I don't see Baltimore having a ton of offensive success either. This is a Kansas City defense that has been very good throughout the year, and I love the adjustments that we saw from Steve Spagnuolo in this defense in the second half, specifically against Buffalo. you got to look at Buffalo and Baltimore's offenses is very similar. They're quarterbacks who want to establish the run and then a run game that they want to be forward with to set up a pass game. Well, what Kansas City did in the second half, bringing more men to the line to scrimmage and essentially saying, hey, we've got one of the best secondaries in the world. We're going to be okay with our guys out on islands and make your quarterback make throws. Allen made a couple of them. There were some drops there, but all of those were very, very contested throws as well. I think we're going to see a similar style from Kansas City right out of the gate here where they're going to say, look, Lamar's legs aren't beating us. If his arm beats us, it is what it is. We trust our secondary, but his legs are not going to beat us. And I think that's going to be a strategy that works out pretty well here for Kansas City. So I like the Chiefs here plus the four points. Now, you know, just being completely transparent, I'm higher than the, on the Chiefs than the market. I bet them two weeks ago against Miami. I bet them last week against Buffalo. I made this game Baltimore minus two. I was pretty sure I was going to be betting Kansas City again this week, and I don't mind it. I, I think this is a low-scoring, close game. If I'm getting over a field goal with the best quarterback in the world in a low-scoring, close game, I'm totally fine with it. So I'm, I'm on the Chiefs plus the three and a half. Obviously, like the four even more since you get an extra half point. And I like the under quite a bit here as well. I think 44 and a half is a little bit too high in this spot. Again, 44 key numbers. So if you want to get in on the under now before we hit that 44, I think it's important. What player prop do you like the most? I've been going back and forth. I, I, to me, it, it's Jabir Gibbs. I'll take his receiving over prop. Uh, it's sitting in the 20s right now, and I think that's just way too low because I do think if you're looking at the, how Detroit tries to attack San Francisco, if they get down at all, it's going to be through the air. They're going to be dropping back to pass, and Gibbs is the better receiving running back of the two. I think he's the one who gets four or five targets in this spot, and if he gets those targets, I think he flies over his receiving number prop. I was also wondering just to follow up on your thought process about Casey's defense and not letting Lamar's legs beat them. His rushing yards prop is set over 65. I want to say it was 66 and a half when I was looking at it earlier. Is that something you might have interest in looking at an under or is that number about right? I think that's way too high. I mean, we, we talked about this last week. I, I was on Lamar over 52 and a half rushing yards. Yeah. Which well we're, done. We're, we're, <laughs> I, yeah, it was great. This is awesome. I love you went for over hundred. I wish I played the alts, uh, but we're jumping up over 10 yards here. Yeah. Uh, that seems like a little bit aggressive, especially when you look at this and you say Kansas city's path to success is stopping Lamar on the ground. I would much rather Gus Edwards or justice Hill get going if I'm Kansas city, because I don't have nearly as much fear in them if they do break out into the open field and I don't want Lamar's confidence to get going. So if you put all of your eggs into the, let's stop Lamar rushing basket, I think taking his under rushing yards is a good play. I don't generally give out unders on Thursday, though, because it's going to be bet up by game day. What is this going to go off at 65 and a half? If so, to me, you play under Lamar rushing, but you wait until Sunday to do it. Mike, appreciate your insight as always. Thank you, pal. Thanks, Mike. Appreciate it. No problem. Have a good one. Good luck this weekend. You too. Mike Samich at Samabomb18 on X. And again, make sure you check him out every weekend right here on VSIN and DraftKings Network, the handle alongside Matt Brown. We're going to hit the break, but when we come back, plenty more to discuss when it comes to the NFL coaching carousel as well as conference championship weekend. We'll be right back. Attention all wrestling aficionados. Wrestling with Freddie makes its triumphant return for an electrifying fourth season. This is Freddie Prince Jr. And I am beyond thrilled to announce that our wrestling extravaganza is back. And joining me once again is the one and only Jeff Dye. Get ready as we highlight the most jaw-dropping matches, dissect the fiercest feuds, and uncover the latest twists and turns in the world of pro wrestling. We're dusting off our legendary side quests and unleashing a barrage of brand new segments that will keep you guys on the edge of your seat like our talks on unsanctioned Thursdays. Freddie, you know we gotta give the people what they want. This season, we have an all-star lineup of special guests who are gonna be gracing our podcast, bringing with them their own unique insights, experiences, and all of that in the world of pro wrestling and beyond. Whether you're a seasoned wrestling veteran or a fresh-faced newcomer, we promise an experience like no other. So buckle up, wrestling fans. Listen to Wrestling with Freddie as part of the My Cultura Podcast Network, available on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty, Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, 
Cain Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. What's up, everybody? This is Stephen A. Smith. When I'm not at my day job, first tape, you can find me in my studio hosting the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast. Tune in every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday, at the very least, as I bring you all new episodes that feature the biggest headlines in the world of sports, pop culture, business, and politics. You'll hear my unfiltered opinions on those nauseating cowboy fans, the chaos in Washington, D.C., and trending topics on social media, as well as my straight-shooter interviews with top celebrities and game changers. And I occasionally give out love advice. Yes, it's true. If you want to know my true feelings about something, I'll give it to you straight. So listen to the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcast. This is the Lombardi Line with former NFL executive Michael Lombardi. Now here's your host, Stormy Bonatoni on VSEN, the sports betting network. DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL postseason, is bringing you an offer that'll help make the playoffs that much more electrifying. New customers can bet either of this weekend's conference championship games. Just put five bucks on it. You get 200 instantly in bonus bets. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use the code VSIN only on DraftKings Sportsbook. Again, that code VSIN, B-S-I-N. The crown is yours. We're currently sitting Ravens, a four-point favorite against KC in the AFC championship game. And the 49ers, despite Detroit continuing to get bet, up to a seven-and-a-half point favorite now against the Lions, total in that one, 51-and-a-half. We also had some big head coaching news. Jim Harbaugh, the head coach of the Los Angeles Chargers. Dave Canales looking to be the head man in Carolina. And Nick Sirianni, Michael, staying put in Philadelphia, although it appears he has his new D.C. Vic Fangio one day after mutually parting ways with the Dolphins is already getting set to head out to, to Philadelphia and put pen to paper today as their de- defensive coordinator. Yeah, I, I mean, look, the, they've wanted Fangio. We're disappointed they didn't get him last year, right? And yep. so uh, now they got their man. And, you know, Nick knows people. And he worked with them as a consultant, helped the offense out. So certainly, you know, he's familiar with everybody. And this is a good move for for them, but they're going to have to get better talent-wise for Vic to do what he needs to do, especially up front. And Vic's going to have to feel good about the program. We know down in Miami that was oil and water. We said that from the beginning. Vic, you know, Vic and, and Mike McDaniel come from two different eras of style of coaching and all that. And you can start to hear some of the, you know, he didn't treat the players, all this stuff coming out. Vic's a really good coach. He has his style. He coaches the team. And so this will help. But as for Seriani, you know, Seriani ran the offense. He was in part of the game planning of the offense. He just didn't call the game because he's so emotional. He mm. can't call the game, right? He's never called, he never called plays in his career. He's never called plays in his career. Frank Wright did when they were together at Indianapolis. So because he gets so he has a short fuse. And so they're going to have to find somebody that can tailor the offense around what Hurts did. And I think they lost that with Shane Steichen. And so this is going to be, does that mean Kellen Moore? Well, I could tell you this. If Kellen Moore's calling plays, Vic Fangio is going to be kind of off into the, you know, like, wait a minute, hold on. You know, we got to run the ball a little bit here, you know, and I think that you have to understand who, what Philly's strengths are offensively there, you know, the offensive line's going to through some changes. We think Kelsey's going to retire. They're going to have to get better there. I don't know what Lane Johnson's going to do, but they're going to have to go back to what they did, which was run play action. And they got to fit that to the right scheme. This isn't going to be one of those where we're going to throw it 50 times. And the splash names that we've seen so far that have been talked about are Kellen Moore joystick to your point and Cliff Kingsbury, another name that's made the round. So it'll be interesting to see ultimately who does end up taking up that position. And because you mentioned him being a little bit of a a hothead, an emotional head coach in Nick Sirianni, when he and Howie Roseman had their end of season press conference on Wednesday, confirming that he'd be coming back. He told the media he intends to be less of an offensive specialist and focus more on the head coaching position. Let's hear it straight from Sirianni's mouth. What is your role going to be? The head coach of the football team. What does that entail? How how does it change? Yeah, um, 
I guess what you know it'd be this very similar to what's going on right now. Um, you know, does that mean I'll sit more into defensive meetings at times? Maybe, right? Instead of always being in an offensive meeting, maybe I go to a defensive meeting here and there. Um, but my job is to be the head coach of the team, not the head coach of the offense, not the head coach of the defense, not the head coach of the special teams, but be the be the head coach of the football team. Michael, Michael, do you read the Philadelphia Inquirer ever? No, I don't. I don't read any Philadelphia papers. I, I, I don't. I don't read very many papers, period, okay. to be honest with you, Stormy. I just find it to be some narrative that they want to put out or something completely wrong. I mean, like your boy today, Skip Bayless, putting out that thing. I mean, I read Twitter, unfortunately, because <laughs> I, I, I only read Twitter because I want to get caught up on on what's happening, and I want to harass Gerald Posner for his ridiculous take on the Kennedy assassination. That's the only reason I use Twitter. So, uh, you know, the, the I, I, my question, the, the follow-up question to Sirianni okay. was, well, weren't you the head coach last year? What did you do last year? Correct. Uh, the, the reason that I asked that question, though, is because when I was Googling Nick Sirianni, staying with Philadelphia, just trying to get what people are talking about around the topic. Uh, the headline from the Philadelphia Inquirer this morning was Howie Roseman, Nick Sirianni look like sad and punished puppies as they reviewed the Eagles lost season. That was not what I expected to read coming out of that press conference, but it doesn't seem like people are particularly thrilled about their approach to their, you know, fresh new views on the team. Well, I think, you know, most people are probably sitting there saying, well, Nick, wait a minute. You didn't call plays last year. You didn't run the offense. What did you do? Yeah. That's what I ask. Like, what did you do? You saw the team collapse. You didn't fix it. So now you're going to become a head coach. Well, weren't you one last year? Like, weren't you one last year? And, and Philly is very sensitive, very sensitive uh, because of they don't want, they want the coach to not be a puppet. And so all these moves make it seem like Howie and Jeff Laurie are running the team and he's just a puppet. And so it, 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 it basically takes away whatever authority he had and it makes him look like he wasn't. The big line is basically Doug Peterson wouldn't do this, so you had to fire him, and now Nick will, right? So I think to me that that's really where this is coming from. And I, and I think ultimately when you break it down, you, your head coach has got to have something to be able to stand in front of the players and stand there with, with conviction, with an understanding of how things are going to go and what we're going to do. And hopefully fixing whatever went on down the stretch in the locker room with all of the reports of dissension and the back and forth there. Like that's going to be a critical piece of all this. Also, because you you teed up your tweet earlier, I got to let the people at home know if they did not see it, which, by the way, follow M Lombardi NFL on X if you want to see this excellent content. But uh, skip tweets. Bill <laughs> Belichick is the greatest defensive mind ever. But Tom Brady ran the offense and made the late plays to win all those Super Bowls. And Michael sla uh, claps back clearly skip with all due respect. You have no idea what went on in that building for the past 24 years, period, zero, period. Love it. Well, I mean, like he says stuff that makes no sense at all. Like, you know, it's like like Brady ran the offense, really? I, 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 you know, I mean, where's Charlie Weiss? Where's, you know, where's Josh McDaniels? I mean, there was, there was like all great teams. Everybody played a part, right? And Brady had a huge part in it. I'm not denying it. I got two Super Bowl rings because of the great man. But I also have two Super Bowl rings because of the coach. I, mean, I don't understand why people keep clinging to this. If it was just the quarterback, then why does Dan Marino have one Super Bowl appearance? If it was just the quarterback, why, why did Warren Moon not even get to a conference championship game? Right? It, it, it's such a lazy narrative. It's so bad. I get it in basketball. You need a great player. But what you need is a great team around a great quarterback, right? And it, one player can't carry the team. I mean, one player can't. So it's just so stupid. It's so, I, I, but I, I, at that point, I just had to say enough. Yeah, enough. I'm surprised. You know? I, I was surprised you're even entertaining him. Like, get out of here, Skip. Well, because I think it's just so stupid that he's sitting there and he's got Keyshawn Johnson on his show. Like, Keyshawn knows better than that. But I'm afraid Keyshawn probably wants to keep his job, so he's not going <laughs> to challenge him. I don't know. Like, you know, like, I don't really care. Like, I don't care. I'm at the point where I'm watching stupidity run rampant through the NFL. Like, I don't really care. We're going to figure out a way to make money. If it's going to go this way, then, you know, what Walsh told me in 1984 that there are only eight teams we're competing against, I think it's down to six now. I mean, we got people running NFL teams that have never run anything. Anything. 
<laughs> and they're interviewing coaching candidates. It's comical. Yeah, there's still like, I got, a lot I mean, to figure out. I wrote out. two books on the league. I wrote two books on the league. I'm not saying I should be interviewing them, but I, I'm not sure some of these guys that are doing the interview even read the books. You know, we'll, we'll, or read a book, not my book, or read a book. <laughs> we'll, we'll hit a lot more of the coaching stuff uh, when we reset for hour two. But real quickly, I did want to ask you, just because I haven't seen yeah. you in a couple of days, how did Big Daddy Vince react to the Joe Barry news? He's taking full credit for it. He feels okay. like he created the movement. He's, he feels like he created the movement. And, of course, we'll see who LaFleur picks. You know, that's going to be the key. We'll see. We'll see who he goes with. And it really, to me, this is a defining moment in Green Bay Packers. If you're a Packer fan, this is going to be your defining moment. Because what, what he needs, what Matt LaFleur needs is his, Pat Sherm, his, his Fritz Shermer. What he needs is his Jim Johnson. He needs a guy who's going to come in and run the offense, bring maturity to the table, run the defense, let him run the offense, let him be the head coach, but also give him a defense that can win games. And whether he hires Mike Zimmer or Don Martindale, that's what he needs. He needs somebody who's got creativity mind, a creative mind that can help him. I I think to me, and if they get that with the way Goot picks players, the way they have talent on their team, they can go a long way. I said this last year. If they would have put Jim Schwartz as the D.C. on that team, they would have won the North. Yeah, that's the thing. They probably should have moved on from Barry last year, but they finally do what they probably should have already. And the thing that was always just confusing for me, and I'm not even a Packers fan, but how do you limit Patrick Mahomes? How do you limit Justin Jefferson and then let Tommy DeVito beat you in the fourth quarter? And like, like, there are just certain things that just... Doesn't add up. How do you let the Panthers, who are the worst team in the NFL this year, score like, 30 on you? Yeah, like, uh, okay. Uh, we got a lot more to cover here on the Lombardi line. Stick with us. Hour two coming at you next. Two new head coaches. We'll be right back. It's Freddie Prinze Jr. and Jeff Dye back in the ring. Wrestling with Freddie makes its triumphant return for an electrifying fourth season. Hey, Jeff. Are you ready to rumble our way into an all-new season of Wrestling with Freddie? You better believe I have. I've been practicing my body slams, and I'm jacked. All right, don't go injuring yourself now. We'll be highlighting the best stories and matches of the week in wrestling from AEW, WWE, and have one-on-one talks with the best talents in the world of pro wrestling. Listen to Wrestling with Freddie on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. What's up, everybody? This is Stephen A. Smith, host of the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast. Tune in every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday at the very least as I bring you all new episodes that feature the biggest headlines in the world of sports, pop culture, business, and I answer your phone calls and respond to your tweets. You'll hear my unfiltered opinions and straight-shooter interviews with top celebrities and game changers. All that and more. So listen to the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast on the iHeartRadio app. Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcast. 